Well, happy new year, everyone. Welcome back to the first SBK betting podcast of 2022, the betting podcast where the only real new year's resolution is to essentially attempt to pick off where we left off as we ended the year pretty well. We have to admit, fireworks from all three of us um, previewing the action on New Year's Day, and it came off in spades. But the man who had a brilliant day was James Millman. Long press your nap. That was some performance. And Dolphin Square, the 29 to 1 winner for the man of the day, um, starting his year on a high um, in the shape of David Maxwell. We added to that with Vienna Court. Kansas City Chief, I was really pleased to see, uh, was a place in second at 15 to 1. And Ross had Stormy Ireland at 7 to 1. Lucky she might have been, but it was still a winner is a winner. James, just quickly, David Maxwell, we've just mentioned it. Uh, what a ride on a horse that um, was a brilliant price for you um, and a day to remember for the man on board. Oh, a day to remember for his family as well. Everyone, I think, in the Maxwell household was at Cheltenham on New Year's Day, along with 30,000 other people. And the price was astronomical, bearing in mind he'd won a decent handicap at Newbury the time before with David on board. David rides a horse every single time. I think the defeat a couple of days ago at Doncaster probably stuck in people's minds a little bit, but you take that into account and ironically it was a two amateurs fighting out the finish and you put up Kansas City Chief again overpriced because Vicky Mauser gets a great tune out of him so I think sometimes when you're looking at jockeys in particular perhaps the less fashionable names and when we talk about the amateurs if they ride the horse all the time it's probably going to be the same performance as what they achieved the previous start so if, if, if the combination is working out quite well there's no reason to, to suddenly think they're going to going to produce a shocker and, and that was a great race and it was great to see. Yeah, it, it really was um, brilliant after after race interviews as well from from David Maxwell. He's just a, such a character. Great to be part of the sport, which we had mentioned um, last week about um, how he just puts everything into it. So it's great to see him having a win on the big stage. Now, we come into the start of the new year. January is always slightly quieter. The uh, horses getting their flu vaxes. It's uh, pretty cold and fairly miserable, frosty out there. And it's a, it's a slightly quieter weekend, but there's a one big talking race, which we're going to get to, especially the impact it might have on the Supreme Novice Hurdle betting uh, come March. Um, that is the Tolworth Hurdle at Sandown. We're going to have a look at that a little bit later on, but we'll start with uh, the 150, the two-mile handicap chase um, at the Easter track, where the going currently is soft, good, soft in places, uh, on the chase course, soft, heavy in places on the hurdle course. There's a bit of rain more to come. We know what Sandown's like. It can get very boggy, especially as they make their way up to the winning post. Um, so it'll be uh, interesting to see if they get any more rain. Always worth um, keeping an eye on there. Um, but this race, the two-mile race that we'll start off with, Gunsight Ridge currently 13-8 to favourite, Numitor 4-1, to Moonlighter 6-1 to with up the straight, and Bandora nine to one with Monsieur Lecoq and Paddy's poem makes up the field, a small enough field um, at 13 to one and a couple of these races are small, just the seven. And the bottom weight of the field, Gunsight Ridge heads the betting. He chased home none other than uh, James's friend, Lon Press, when last seen Exeter. Has the form, James, but he's been beaten favourite on his last four starts. That is the issue with Gunsight Ridge. And I was at Exeter when uh, Lon Press beat him in the handicap chase and then I saw Ollie Murphy before the race and I said, oh, are you a little bit disappointed by, by the fact he keeps getting beat? And he said, yeah, because they think he's a, a really nice horse. And, and I think he's proved it, but he's a very weak finisher. Um, whether he, he's actually giving his all, he just doesn't find much of the pressure. 
Um, and over two mile at Aintree on his return, for me, he looked flat out the whole way, plugged on for and never near a third behind Diane Delarge. At Exeter, stepped up to, to two, three against a very good horse. We've seen what Lompress did at uh, Ascot next time, and then Cheltenham on New Year's Day in the Dipper. That was a really good effort, and he deserves to be a short price favourite, but he keeps on being very short in the market. Look, no surprise if, if he wins, but I think you're brave if you're going to back him again. I quite like two from the Williams operations. Both Jane and Nick have got a runner. Moonlighter, he stopped a little bit quickly on, on both his starts this year, but he was running well behind the Gee, at least at the final fence at Cheltenham last time. Handicap has dropped him three pounds. Harry Cobden was nice catching booking. And Monster Lecoq has got loads of form around Sandown on soft ground. Just got caught when Ross put him up by Amuda Gold and Bridget Andrews at the start of the season. He's off the same marker, one, three, two. I think both those two for, for Nick and James William, Jane Williams could easily beat our favourites. I'm not sure which one is the one to side with, so I'm going to split the stakes between the pair. I just think the favourite's vulnerable, and, and those two are an interesting little angle into a seven runner contest, which does restrict our each way betting a little. Yeah, it's tricky, this. I thought when I looked at Moonlighter, I thought the same as what you said about the favourite Gunsight Ridge finishing out his races was a problem, obviously, wind surgery. I was just wondering whether whether that's actually worked, that solved its problem, especially the last time at Cheltenham. And Monster returns to chasing. Slight, slight uh, uh, concern about how disappointing he was last time out over hurdles, though. Yeah, I'm hoping it was switching back to hurdles. Uh, Lingfield can get pretty pretty bottomless ground, especially on, on, on hurdle track as well there. So I'm happy to forgive him purely because he's, he's been a horse that I really liked in his younger days when, when uh, Chester's sister Lizzie used to ride him. And I thought he could actually go quite a long way. His jumping didn't really stand up to a test. Um, he's now operating probably 20, 25 pounds below what I think he's, he's capable of. But that Ascot form showed he, he's got a win in him. Like I say, I'm, I'm not too sure. Both of them could, could disappoint. But on their day, both of them are certainly well enough handicapped to beat a weak finisher like Gunsight Ridge if he doesn't progress on his third start of the year. Yeah, Ross, I'll bring you in now. This is a really trappy contest. Obviously, we know Sanal, we've, we've spoken about the, the jumping test that you need in a track like this. To be fair to Consight Ridge, he does jump very well, but as James said, just doesn't finish out his races. Is there anything in here that, and or would you be in agreement with James that there's a horse in here that does finish out his races, does jump very well, and has the sort of good form coming into this race? Because I struggle to find one. Yeah, that that was the the, the the tricky question, wasn't it? I mean, straight away, I want to get Gunsight Ridge opposed. You know, I think he'll go off a short price because people will jump onto the fact that he only finished on the rating seven pound inferior to Long Press, who's now one five four, so he very look, looks very well handicapped. But I think you've got to look back and and third in that race was Longshanks, um, and he's been beaten fifty plus lengths on his next start, and he's rated one hundred and thirteen. So. That, for me, is a concern. Ollie Murphy is one winner from 33 runners in the last 14 days. Uh, it's not alarm bells, but it's certainly not a positive. Um, if the rain comes, I think Moonlighter is, is, is nicely handicapped now, and, and I do think he's ground-dependent. He's run three times on heavy ground, and he's won twice, and he, and he unseated Lizzie Kelly the other time. Um, and he has good course form here. Um, I thought it was a pretty decent run when he was fifth under 12 stone two um, in January last year and then came back a month later um, and won off a mark of 144. Um, he's now down to 141. So I'd, I'd give him a good chance if the rain comes. If it doesn't come, like, Numitor is a horse I like, but I, 
if it gets soft, he just finished very weakly over this course and distance last year off four and is now four pound higher. Um, so that concerns me. So it wasn't a race that I wanted to go wading into. I'm hoping the rain comes. And in that case, I think Moonlighter is a is a solid pick. He's been running in races of a higher grade than this. You know, his form of PP5 doesn't look all that inspiring, but one of them came in a in a festival race. And then he's run on ground that's probably a bit quick in a grade that's probably a bit above him, back in a slightly easier grade on softer ground, that he would be my tentative pick. So both James and Ross have got big uh, big hopes for Moonlighter. I thought it was interesting Tom Scudamore normally would ride Moonlighter's actually chosen um, a horse that he also norm normally rides Numitor, um, which I thought might be of a slight advantage when, you, when you're looking at this race, uh, of that, that's his selection. Although, as James has said, Harry Cobden is a very nice alternative. Um, Numitor, for me, having had to give a good bit of weight away to Il Rodoto last time, well, he just did very little wrong, I thought. Um, hopefully, he'll, they'll go out and try and make all under Tom Scudamore. He's another horse to come down in grade. And I'll be hoping that the rain doesn't come um, on the other side of Ross um, and give him a good shout. But it seems like we're all against Gunsight Ridge, who just looks like a weak enough favourite for what is a trappy-looking affair. Um, we'll head um, to the Tolworth uh, Novices Hurdle at 2.25. Now we're going to look at this race in context to the whole Supreme Novice Hurdle um, as a picture as we stand now at the beginning of January, uh, because obviously this will and likely to have a bit of a bearing on the race, Constitution Hill, um, who's a very short price for this race on Saturday. He's as short as four to one for the Supreme in March after his scintillating performance on Hurdle's debut over course and distance. I must say, if any, got a bit of a wind of a word circulating around the Henderson Yard that this horse was a bit special before the race. Um, he came in for some support before the off. I don't think anyone was expecting what he did, especially from the second last to the last. He needs to go back and, and, and back that up. The Tolworth in the past hasn't been a big, big uh, indicator for the Supreme, although some of boy did the job in 2018. So... I'll come to you first, James, um, and we'll talk about this horse, Constitution Hill, what he's done already, and then your impression as a, as a supreme horse and what perhaps he might need to do to give you the confidence that he can step up and take on the best of Irish and UK come March. Yeah, you've summed it up well, and the fact that you can be more impressed by what he did at Sandown back on uh, the 4th of December, 35 days before the Tarworth, because he initially went off 85 to 40. I know he was backed, but he wasn't like an odds-on absolute machine. That, that machine was going to be Mai Tai from the Fry Stable, who, who went into the race with a pretty big reputation, and he just absolutely demolished him. Um, the way he picked up, like you say, from the second last to the last, and just went away on the run to the line. Sandown's a stiff track. Horses are entitled to, to get a little bit tired on their first run of the season, and he just absolutely took off. I've not seen a horse do that sand down for, for quite a while. So it was impressive. I think it's sensible really to, to go back to what you know. He's going back to sand down again for the Tarworth. And the race is actually quite competitive. We've got Mr. Glass of Twile who are coming here and winning runs. I really like Shall We Have One More when, when Josh won him at Kempton. Um, Josh couldn't pull him up. He just kept on going. I worry a steadyish pace on, on a heavy ground won't suit him. But I think he's got an engine in the Goshen Colours. So it's a nice race. But what we saw was was fantastic. The Supreme, however, it does look as it, as it always is a very very hot race, and, and the yard have got their own expensive star in, in John Bond, who 
has been in messy races, but he's done absolutely nothing wrong at the Newbury and in Ascot, and, and he looks quite good. But I think those two's reputations have meant Sir Gerhard has been a little bit overlooked because we've only seen him once so far this campaign. But he won his maiden hurdle at Leopardstown impressively, beating Highland Charge by eight lengths. Willie's got such strength and depth uh, in his own yard, never mind in Ireland as a whole. And, and the fact that he's the standout Willie Mullins challenger and, and the standout Irish horse in the markets currently, I think he's actually value as we get head to the anti-post stage. We might see an absolutely devastating performance once again on Saturday from, from Constitution Hill. But I think we all need to for him to, to justify the short odds, bearing in mind he might not even be the best horse in his own yard, never mind taking on the Irish. So I'm looking at it at the moment that Sir Gerhard is probably uh, your anti-post looking to Supreme, even though we've only seen him the once as well. Okay, he is currently 13 to 2. I'll give a quick rundown of the betting. John Bond 13 to 5 with SBK currently, Constitution Hill 4 to 1. So Gerhard, the best of the Irish currently, according to the betting, is 13 to 2. 14 to 1 next for Mighty Potter, who's already a confirmed grade one winner. Dice at Dynamo 21 to 1 with my mate Mozzie. And it's 33 to 1 bar those. As it stands, so Gerhard sounds like he's going to step up in grade and go into the Dublin Racing Festival for the race that appreciates it one on route to the Supreme. A well-trodden path. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So as we stand, this is probably, if he's going to go and do that, he's going to be a hell of a lot shorter come uh, February. So 13 to 2 for a horse that's already been there and done that, Ross, at Cheltenham, especially under what was a pretty enterprising ride from Rachel Blackmore. Uh, but he didn't beat a huge amount uh, when he won over, over Christmas, but he didn't really need to. Um, and we know that Willie Mullins, as James has said, is just, just does so well with these types of horses and gets them spot on for Cheltenham. Yeah, I mean, ordinarily, back in a Willie Mullins novice hurdler chaser for the Cheltenham Festival anti-post is a risky strategy because it's very well known that he likes to split them up. He gives it lots of thought and doesn't like to make a decision until the very last minute. But with Kilcrut having disappointed a couple of times, the sort of problem that might have been is you know who's going to go Ballymore who's going to go Supreme Sir Gerhard and Kilcrut has probably been removed and it does look like the Supreme would look a very obvious choice for Sir Gerhard so in terms of your anti-post betting you're trying to find something that's going to be shorter on the day than it than it is now and you would think that Sir Gerhard is certainly going to do that um Constitution Hill uh, for me has to go and prove it again it was almost surprised everyone in connections so much that I just wonder whether it was a bit of a, a freak result. If he can do it again, then I, I'd, I'd be very taken by him. I wouldn't just underestimate uh, Ryan Potter's horse, Jatoile, in the in the Tolworth. It'll love the ground. It'll go under the radar slightly because he is a small trainer. But I think it's worth noting that it made its debut in a Cheltenham hurdle. Uh, Ryan Potter is starting to develop a name in his second season as a trainer as getting these horses quite nicely handicapped and landing a plot or two. So the fact that he was prepared to run in competitively and Cheltenham on debut, and by all accounts was a bit disappointed he got beaten, suggests that it is a very smart horse. Um, so soft ground, heavy ground will suit him. Constitution Hill should win it. I'm just not convinced as everyone else that when Mr. Henderson says that he's very happy for them both to take each other on, come the Supreme. Tolworth hurdle winners tend to, in later life, have stamina. And it just wouldn't surprise me if they ended up getting split up and John Bond went supreme and Constitution Hill went Ballymore. So an anti-post bet on those wouldn't be for me. The other one I'd throw in there just at a big price is Al Fabiolo from uh, Willie Mullins Yard. 
won a, a pretty ordinary looking maiden at Tremor over Christmas and New Year, but did it in emphatic style. It's by Spanish Moon, the sire of Lorena. Willie Mullins does very well with them. You know, again, talking about having an anti-post bet that's going to shorten. Al Fabiola will step up in grade now. If he was to improve on what he's done, he could be a, a lively outsider for the Supreme. Currently 21 to 1, and he won on New Year's Day, I think it was, at Tremor, um, in a race that Willie Mullins has done really well with, well with. I think that's an excellent analogy of exactly how you've got to look at anti-post betting. What will shorten? Constitution Hill is already pretty short at 4 to 1 off the back of that run. As uh, Ross has said, it's very much based on can he go and do that again in a, in a tougher assignment? I'm a fully up, signed up member of the Constitution Hill fan club. I think he can. And I think they knew he was good. It's just the fact that he doesn't clearly do a huge amount at home, which we all know is the best you want from a horse, pretty lazy um, at home and does it all on the track. And um, the Nicky Henderson team have, have won this race in the past, um, won uh, the Supreme in the past, the likes of Shishkin. And he looks, I love the way he jumps. I think he's so slick, whereas John Bon is still just a gangly looking horse that's just going to get better and better with time. So... Constitution Hill, like to see him go and improve himself again on Saturday. Uh, and I'm going to throw in um, far out our own horse uh, for the Supreme at 34 to 1. Another horse that he probably, I'm not sure if he'll get any shorter than that when come um, the Supreme, unless he runs another uh, sort of place effort in uh, at Leopardstown, the Dublin Racing Festival, which is where he'll go next. He's been fourth in one grade one he's been third in another grade one what I'm really liking about him is that he's showing that he is a strong stayer which you need at Cheltenham up that Cheltenham hill and I could see him hopefully just picking up some pieces and getting a placed effort um, as we as we as we're there for in in the supreme novice hurdle so um, I like that um, he that the trainer wants to aim him for that and it's been a bit of a plan for a while now um, so that is um, far out on Constitution Hill for me, but Sir Garhard for James and Ross in what is a good race, this Tolworth hurdle. Um, and we, the betting has just got it all on one side. But as James has rightly pointed out, there are plenty of horses that come into this with good chances. And it'd be great for Brian Potter, who is really finding his feet in the training ranks um, to have a nice horse. And uh, so we'll see how that pans out come 225 on Saturday, um, we'll head into the next race that we're going to really preview in terms of a betting heat, and that is the Veterans Handicap Chase over three mile at Sandown. 13 runners, top weight and favourite is the class act in the field, eh? so the two-time graded winner, placed in two Ryanair chases. Handicapper hasn't been that forgiving, and he actually raced in two pounds for a second to Black Lion in his first go in veteran company. But a great horse, I'll come to you first, James, to have in veteran company because this is what it's all about. A horse that's, you know, got to its best in, in, in better class, uh, but still has the opportunity to run, albeit off big, big way in races of this nature. Yeah, most definitely. And Venetia's uh, won this race in the past, Oblin Lizabeau. It was an old favourite, uh, landed the 100 grand contest. And I don't think it's as good a race as perhaps it has been in the past. Um, a lot of these are veterans that never really became household names. And, and Aso was the exception to the rule when he actually needed to drop uh, when he ran the Paddy Power behind Midnight Shadow to actually become eligible for these veteran races because they're not to 150 handicaps. And he was 153 at Cheltenham. He only actually got beat 17 lengths on Midnight Shadow. Handicap had dropped in six, uh, which I thought was very generous. Second to Black Lion off 147. 
may well have been disappointed and you, you point out the two pound raise but black lion absolutely bolted up in the last thing the other day at haydock he's now a stone higher off 145 than what he ran in at haydock so i think a two pound rise is fair and on the back of what black lion did last year he ran some cracking races he was second at warwick behind two for gold um, only got beaten neck off 155 second the cloth cap at kelso was still a good effort uh, and not disgraced um, in, in some good races last season. So while he's 12 year old, he's still not that far below his best and he's miles better than, than all the others are at his best. So I think Venetia would have targeted this from quite a way out. May have been disappointed he got beat at Haydock, but a two pound rise is, is, is actually pretty fair. And this is a, a nice prize. Of the others, I thought maybe Roland Dillon could go well at a price. Um, this one had a nice spell point to point in um, and has been second and both the starts back under rules. So he was an interesting one, but Normally, we get a bigger field and some real-world favourites. I was just lacking a little bit on, on that score, and I think Aso is, is one to be with. And Venetia, time and time again, the rain comes. Her chasers love these ground conditions in the yard. I'm just having a fantastic campaign once again. Yeah, I was going to say, they haven't stopped, have they, since day one? So for you, the £9 plus he has to give round all the way, all the way is won't be too much of an ask in a, in a weaker race. Yeah, I'm, I'm not actually worried because whenever Venetia's been forced to run into handicaps, he's been one of those kind of moonlight horses where he can run well in, in the open contest but isn't quite good enough. And he also runs cracking races under big weights, whereas a lot of the horses, the opposition, they generally keep to, to a lower level. They keep to the slightly smaller tracks and they, they wouldn't run in the top handicaps, even off relatively inflated marks. They don't even try it. So I just think he looks at a real class class angle for me and and. and Quite a confident choice in, in the veterans' chase this time around. Confidence behind Aso, who is three to one, uh, clear favourite at the moment for uh, the veterans' chase. The final nudge is six to one, eight to one. Roland Dillon and Wandering Star. So Ivan, the King's Writ, Gwenkili Burbus, all elevens. There's not much between a lot of them. Ross, based probably bases as James quite said, we're not really sure if there's there's a horse in here that's. You know, it's veterans by nature is that they're probably slightly regressing um, and they're trying to find an opportunity to give them that, that confidence boost back. Um, and we saw See You at Midnight, um, who won this last year. That's exactly what happened. Um, it was a wonderful performance. Can you see anything that might surprise you in a race like this? Because that's what often happens. Uh, no, I, I couldn't in truth. Um, I entirely agree with what James has said. Aso is the class horse of the race. Um, uh, nothing else but him would have had aspirations of, of dining at the level that he has in the early part of his career. Um, I'm just not entirely sure he is an out-and-out stayer at three miles on soft ground. I think against the black, against black line, it was class that got him to the line. He looked very weary. Um, and I just wonder whether if the rain comes, an old sort of grinder could perhaps just get the better of him under, under a big weight that he's got to carry. Um, and as you said, they, they're all sort of on a bit of a retrieval mission, really, and hoping that dropping back into this sort of um, veteran uh, class is going to allow them to be a bit more competitive. The one that I thought that didn't necessarily apply to was Final Nudge. He has pretty much maintained his form right the way through. Uh, in March, he was third of 134 in the Midlands National. Um, and he came back with a really good seasonal uh, debut. It's only gone up £3 for that for winning at, at Warwick. Um, and the third place, uh, Head to the Stars, has won since and was quite impressive. I think this stiff track on softer ground is going to play more to his stamina. Um, and for me, 
if you weren't back in A, so the next obvious one was was final nudge. And I just have that concern about a, a stiff three miles for, for ASO. Um, of the others, there wasn't really anything that, that jumped out. So wouldn't be as confident as James was with his selection. But for me, final nudge at a slightly bigger price. I thought he had enough going for him and he's clearly been laid out for this race. Yeah, the, the Fergal O'Brien team have done wonders with him, really, since he's joined from David Dennis. And that was a, yeah, it was a, it was a really nice ride as well. He was sort of given plenty of time by Paddy Brennan just to weave his way and beat Fagan. And uh, in what was an, an, another part of this veteran series, it's, uh, it's, it's always an interesting one trying to find a horse that, you know, might have a little, a little edge, a little, little tweak in them. Um, James um, mentioned Roland Dillon, who was second over course and distance in an amateur jockey's handicap chase, where Ella Herbison was having her first ride in an amateur race. And I, I just thought there's plenty to like about that effort. Um, but will be interesting to see how he fares back with Michael Nolan on board, who finished fourth on this horse in a cross-country race, albeit three three years ago now, um, and has won on him as a novice. And James said at the top, you know, how how uh, associations with horses can really help. And I think that might be interesting, them being brought back together. He had a brief spell on the point-to-point circuit. And I just think he could have a, a good race in him. Um, he is currently eight to one. The other horse I'm going to mention is Gwen Silly Burbis. He's an unusual sort, I thought. And I'd be nice to get a, a thought if anyone looked at him. He's quite, quite unusual. As he, he looks fairly progressive in terms of his grade. Um, some of the older types struggling with their handicap marks. But he won going away under Tom Scudamore at Exeter in December, proving very effective over this trip. Um, it was in a weak race. I just thought he was quite an interesting type in this contest. I thought it was uh, an interesting route for him to go next, if anyone had a thought on that. Yeah, yeah well, I... I actually was covering Exeter when he won, and I just put down too high in the handicap because it was a, a valuable contest. He'd had three goes for David Pipe, three places where he'd run run solidly, but didn't look particularly well treated off one two two, and then went up to one two five. Um, went third to wandering start, and he was twenty-five to one. So I just put, nah, he'll run okay, but 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 not figure. Yet he produced a stunning performance, and and if that's to be believed, in what was a really competitive race, I wouldn't rule him out. It's just he's looked so exposed. Why has he suddenly suddenly come good? But last year was a really good effort last time. Yeah, I th- I just thought he was interesting. Is that was that too good to be true or not? Or is he? Have they got some? Have they worked out some key to him? So splitting my stakes between Gwen Tilly Burbett and Roland Dillon for this one, which is always a great race and um, always nice to see the the veterans strutting their stuff. Um, so we'll head in uh, now to the final race that we're going to preview, which is one race over at Wincanton, and this is the three fifteen, the Kingwell Lodge handicap chase. Um, and it will see the, the reappearance of, of Stolen Silver, who's really having a massive drop in grade, really. Uh, Monde de Avalor has not been seen for 455 days. Um, he's, uh, he's sort of the next best in terms of the betting. Um, Killer Clown, Slate House, not sure. It's a small enough field. Um, I'll come to James, um, or to, sorry, I'll come to Ross. I'll come to you first um, and have a chat about, about this because Stolen Silver looks to me that this is a, a great opportunity for horse who's miles better than than a lot of these. Yeah, he, he looks certainly as, as good as any of these, but the thing he has got for going for him is he hasn't got as many questions to answer as all of the rest of these, really. Um, I thought it was a good run in the Henry VIII last time, probably not quite up to that grade and certainly not up to that grade 
over two miles. So I think stepping back up in trip in an easier grade, I thought a mark of one four five looked looked very fair because the others have got an awful lot of questions. You could make an argument, and I love to make an argument for an outsider, as you know. Slate House, his last meaningful Ooh. piece of form was in this race last year and that came off a mark of 150 and he finished third and having made a bad mistake at the last he's now down to 136 and the blinkers are reached for but you're basically if you're picking him you're putting it all on the fact that blinkers are going to revive him because he just doesn't look the horse he was and he has had this profile he's clearly been very difficult to train and maybe those issues are catching up with him once and once for killer clown was hugely hyped after winning last year at Kempton but I think people miss the fact that, that came off a mark of 123 and he's coming down the handicap, but he's still on 138. And the concern is he appears to be finishing very weakly. And then Monde Avalon is a really smart horse, but he's mad. He will rip the arms of the jockey out on Saturday. Having been off, he can be a bit of a sketchy jumper. Um, I would think they'll be looking to get a safe trip home with him. Um, when the ground comes softer because the ground's not going to be that soft at Wincanton I can't think if you want to follow going forward because um, he's clearly got ability but first run back he wouldn't be for me so by virtue of elimination as much as anything stolen silver for me is a, a confident pick I've, of all the horses that would come second best to stolen silver I didn't think Slayers would be the one but you know we like the the slightly off the wall suggestions as you say blinkers reach back over fences um, to try and revive him, but I just thought James that this was a no-brainer. Stolen Silver, he just looks far too good, and Jack Tudor taking three pounds off—that's a big, that's a plus as well. Yeah, uh, the opposition looks like Ross says, and he's gone for him all big question marks against him. Uh, good luck, Brani. I'm on the because he will be keen, and he hasn't run for a while. Um, wink out and take some jumping. He's dangerous because the only question mark you've got if you are going to all go in with stolen silver is two and a half. He perhaps is better at the minimum trip and he got out saved by Pink Legend at Bangor last season. But you'd be surprised against this opposition. This class should, should turn through. And, and Edward Stone, just mention him quickly. I was really impressed by him uh, when he went on to win at Kempton. I think we've actually got a, a proper arc of horse in the, in the UK for Alan King. So that was no disgrace coming uh, fourth term off levels in the Henry VIII last time. So yeah, so on silver for me. Um, but it's just a, a race where elimination means we've got to go to top weight yeah absolutely 15 to 8 i think currently right now is a, is a good price about a horse that i'd imagine will be a lot shorter before the off um so a, quite a comprehensive um belief behind stolen silver for our final race um that we're previewing for this weekend our first preview um show for 2022 we'll head as we always do around for naps and next bests um and so i'll start with you first ross so the nap is stolen silver. Um, I think he's a a, a a very, very solid selection. I think he's got very little going against him. Jack Tudor's a fine rider, so he'd be a confident nap. And then the next best, by virtue of price, really, was Moonlighter. I'm hoping the rain comes, and I, I, I don't think his back form is as bad as it appears. So eight to one, I think he was, would be my next best. Brilliant. And James? Uh, ASO is, is a nap of the weekend. We're going to keep it in-house with Venetia Williams. Ross has just put a little niggling doubt in my mind about the three mile up that stiff finish, but I think it's class in a race which isn't quite as good as the recent renewals of the veteran series for me. 
I think it will, will tell. And then he was just outstayed by Black Lion last time, but, but that horse is going to do good things. Um, I, I do think Ace has got an absolutely fantastic chance. And next best, I'm going to reverse it with Ross Stolen Silver is, is the next best um, for me. Put them both in a double. I think it's a, a nice option for Saturday's action. Yeah, and I'm just going <clears> to <throat> add a third line into that with Stolen Silver. I don't actually think that we've had a situation where we've all agreed on one horse, but he's going to have to do the, the job for us to, to prove our confidence. But he's my nap, Stolen Silver. Um, I'm going to take Ross on um, uh, with Moonlighter and, and go for Numitor. I don't want the rain to come. Uh, Ross does. Uh, I don't think James does for Ace, though. So we'll be watching it with fine eyes over the next couple of days. But a comprehensive um, support behind Sam Thomas's Stolen Silver for the first podcast of 2022. Um, but uh, a, a slightly depleted look to the fields for this weekend, but plenty to keep our eyes on in terms of the potential that we'll have, especially looking ahead for the Cheltenham Festival, which will be will be ticking down towards over the coming months. Um, so that that uh, Tolworth hurdle will be fascinating. So as ever, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, before I go, would love to say, very delighted to say that SBK are the new sponsors of the grade one Clarence House Chase at Ascot. And that, if anything, bar Cheltenham is gonna be potentially the most mouthwatering clash between Shishkin and Energamine. Energamine looks like he's going to make his way over to the UK. Shishkin, as Nicky Henderson does like to do, is not putting all his eggs in one basket with that. He might go to the game spirit, but we hope he will make his presence in this SBK Clarence House chase. And SBK have plenty of tickets that they are giving away. So please head over to the SBK Twitter page to find out more details on how you could win tickets to attend Ascot on Saturday, 22nd of January. So that's not too far away. So plenty to look forward to. Um, so that's all from us for this week. Um, and I hope that we found a couple more winners for you to start your 2022 off well. Remember to like, uh, to subscribe, and we'll be back with you again next week.